0: The 222 Paranormal Podcast with host Jen and Joe. Hello everybody. So, you having a good week?
1: I'm having a great week. Yeah. Best week ever. <laughs> <laughs> Just kidding. No, I, um, everything's been good. It's been good. It's been quiet at the house. I haven't had any happening lately.
0: It's you haven't of, mentioned anything.
1: No, nothing. Nothing lately. All right, well. Ghosts are boring in my house.
0: We have a location and a guest that knows all about the ghosties. Yes. We have the ghost biker herself, Miranda Young, with us on the show today. Welcome to the show, Miranda.
2: Thanks, Joe. Thank you and Jen so much for having me back on the show. I always look forward to any opportunity to come back and chat with you guys and just, you know, just kind of sit and chat. I love it. Yeah, it's great
1: because, you know, it's always nice to um, have returning guests on because we like to catch up with everybody and find out what's new because there's always something new and exciting in your world. I know you have another season coming out here and we're just excited. It, I love your videos. like, it's,
0: it's been, I'm a, like, give me a,
1: another, give me another. <laughs>
0: it's been about two years since you've been on.
2: It has, it, it, it has.
0: Time flies
1: though.
2: Yeah so fast it does you know it's uh I, I can't believe we literally just wrapped up season five back in october uh-huh. started on season six filming already wow. um you know just it's time really flies and you know i'm i'm really proud of this past season that we put out because i feel like uh, really did a good job of highlighting these locations on there and got some great evidence so it's it's actually a season that uh I'm, of course, I love all my seasons. It's like asking you know which child was your favorite <laughs> right? but, but uh but i'm I'm particularly proud of this season because it's uh, we covered all uh local county jails mm-hmm. in this one.
1: Oh, that's amazing now was there any like common type of um thing you experienced
2: going into just jails in particular? You know, it was, you know, we started, we started trying to theme everything in season four. In season Mm -hmm. four, we did all haunted homes. Mm -hmm. And so it was a great success theming things because it really did give us the opportunity to go in and kind of look at commonalities and look at uh, different things to see how they relate together with the location itself. And so, um, traveled all over the South this past season, and um, yeah, as far as the activity that we got, one of the things that we did find that was common with these county jails, especially here in the South, overcrowding was something that was a big issue, and we do believe that that kind of played a lot into some of the different activity, more of the violence, that sort of thing. Um, also just the type of responses that I got in the different locations. I think every single location that I was in this time, I got my names called and that's wow. always been sort of a rarity for, for me when I go to different locations, I've only ever had that happen at one other. Wow. And so that was something that we noticed that was a commonality this season.
1: Wow. It's almost like they knew you were co- going to be there. Or did you introduce yourself when you got in, or how did how did they know that? You're... I did. Mm-hmm. I did,
2: and um, a couple a couple interesting facts about these these locations. Um, the first one that I highlighted, which was uh, ye old jail or the historic Jamestown jail, uh, or excuse me, historic Fentress County Jail. Uh, this location it had only been investigated by one other team. Mm-hmm. Uh, it was very very new on the scene, and and not even really. One that's necessarily open for paranormal. Um, the other, uh, the other three that I did, of course, the historic Scott County Jail. We mm-hmm. covered it as alive. That's the one that I co-owned with Dr. Christy Sumner, and so, you know, I was actually back in 2014 the first person to investigate that location, and then the other three. Those were ones that were either very new and had only been open for two years or less. So they had limited people um, that that had gone inside them. So one of the things that I found that really seemed to trigger activity in these locations was to really bring in great trigger items mm. and then also to try to create an environment of essentially either comfort or for... Um, uh, you know, creating an environment like the inmates would have been used to whenever they were in the jail, you know. So um, so those were some different techniques that I did that really seemed to trigger the activity as opposed to other times when I went in and just, just straight up asking questions or interrogating.
1: Okay. What, um, what type of trigger objects got the most
2: response? So... Um, One of them in in the historic Fentress County Jail, one of the inmates who was in there, um, he's actually quite a a famous inmate in in the area, uh, Billy Dean Anderson. He had been in multiple jails and prisons. He ended up escaping uh, from several and spending the last years that he was on the FBI's most wanted list living in a cave. Mm -hmm. At that point in time, while he was living in the cave, he was also a, a a amazing artist, and so he spent that time painting hundreds of fo- of uh, portraits, especially those of uh, Jesus Christ. And so, whenever the FBI and other folks have gone in and explored the cave that he lived in, they found a lot of uh, old paint, paint brushes, that sort of thing. Mm. So, I investigated the the jail that he was in on two different occasions, two weeks apart from each other, or a week apart from each other. And so the first week I went in, uh, I didn't address him directly other than just asking a few questions, you know, with with his name. Didn't really seem to get much of a response. But when I came back the second week, I actually brought a paintbrush and some other art items with me. Wow. And so I used the uh, SB7 Spirit Box as well as the Ovalus 5. And pulled out one of the paintbrushes, literally opened it from a packet and held it up. Didn't ne- Never mentioned what it was. Um, held it up and then said, uh, you know, if you can see this item that I have, it's yours. And as soon as I asked Billy Dean Anderson, can you tell me what this is, on the spirit box, I get the word paintbrush. Oh. And then it says, and then it says mine. And so... I, I took it, went to the other, uh, went to one of the cells, said the same thing. I was like, you know, Billy Dean Anderson, if you can tell me what this is. And at this point I was using the Ovilus 5. As soon as I held it up, it says paint. Oh. And so I have really have no wow. explanation for that. Um, and I found that when I addressed him particular or specifically, that, um, he was very, very responsive, especially when it came to talking about art. Um, I also took cards, um, because again, I wanted to kind of create that environment of, you know, just a everyday evening there at the jail, what the inmates might be doing. And so, um, I dealt out five cards, had the obelisk and the spirit box sitting there, And I asked whoever was going to be playing the game with me to either call out the number, the color, or the suit on one of the um, um, uh, devices there. And so, out of the five cards, they actually called out three. Um, One of them was a number. The other was the color. It was it was very fascinating to me. I'd never been in a location that had the the spirits communicate as directly on the spirit box by um by just holding up items not even really saying what i was holding out and and specifically calling out those numbers um another one of the locations old guildcrest county jail which is down in trenton florida um i was that was a collaboration investigation with dr Christy sumner from soul sisters paranormal um you had certain hours to investigate in there um, that were a little bit different than your typical hours. You had to investigate some during the daylight hours just because it's in a rougher area. And uh, so we were in there from about four o'clock in the evening until one o'clock at night. And during the first couple hours, didn't really seem to get a whole lot of response. And so we thought that maybe it could have been, and again, because this is a rougher area, uh, the lady who was uh, hosting the investigation she told asked us you know if we carried uh if we had our concealed carry permits and uh told us that we needed to carry while we were investigating just because it was such a rough area oh. so um so we got to thinking about it and it was like maybe we're not getting a good response because they think we're law enforcement oh. so a- after i pulled my, my gun out. I actually had it concealed. After I pulled it out and took it to the cell down at the end of the hall, and set it down on one of the the beds there, I think I said something along the lines of, you know, this here's my gun. I'm sitting it down, nice and easy. As soon as I set it down, got a very very clear EVP that said, "Thanks." Yeah. And it was like the it was like the activity just opened up at that point. Mm-hmm. So unintentionally using that as a trigger item. Um, it, it really just came, you know, showed us that the spirits in that area, they are very aware of what's going on and the people who come in. I feel like we really bring a lot into the location ourselves, whether it be the, you know, items that we bring with us or the mental state that we're in. I think that a lot of that is uh, something that they can sense and that they can can see and experience, and that it indirectly triggers and uh, can can create or in that specific case, um, not create a lot of of the activity.
0: Didn't you get another EVP or something calling you officers or calling you cops or something? If I can, I, uh... I, I kind of remember something because I remember the episode where you did take off you and Christy took your guns out and said, "Oh, we're not mm-hmm. cops." Or we're not law mm-hmm. enforcement and I could have swore I saw an EVP or her you know something like there
2: that. there was um now that you mentioned that so in that instance I had a static camera that was filming me in the main cell Christy was standing out in the hall and I had been and that's when I'd mentioned to her that you know maybe they think we're for law enforcement. And so she followed me with a camera and that's where we were able to get the response when we dropped our guns off. But we had another response, uh, I think it I can't remember if it said uh copper or yeah, um that's what it, I was thinking. Yeah. It did say something regarding law enforcement in the room on the static camera where I had just left. You could yeah. you could actually hear that. And we did have that at several locations, um I'm trying to remember the other, when I pulled out my dowsing rods, um, I got something that responded and said copper. Now it could have been talking about the copper rods Mm -hmm. or it could have been thinking it was like a gun as well. So each of these locations, um, it was pretty wild because each of these jails, there were a lot of intelligent activity. Mm -hmm. Um, We always tell people at our jail, Um, the historic Scott County jail that the spirits that are in there are not only intelligent but they're very aware and they like to let you know they're aware Mm -hmm. and this seemed to be also be a commonality at a lot of these jails you know the I kind of keep going back to the old Fentress County jail that we highlighted in the the first episode um I, I really kind of developed this theory about it after investigating that jail you know um The guys who run the Chamber of Commerce, they have their office inside of that jail. And so neither of them are into the paranormal as far as paranormal investigators or anything of that nature. And this seems to kind of be a common response from people that work in some of these locations that aren't into it. They'll say, well, I had this unexplained thing happen. So I no longer go by myself or spend time Mm -hmm. in that part of the building. And so, you know, when you start thinking of, of like, you know, animals or people that become conditioned to where if they do something, if the person who's in that location doesn't go around them after they do it, well, they may not necessarily continue to do that behavior. Mm -hmm. And so, um, so the guys that work there at the Chamber of Commerce, um, I'd actually gone in to drop off some, because they're in the neighboring county uh, uh, from the Scott County Jail, I went in to drop off some brochures. And so we were kind of talking and they said, well, we we had had a team come and the team said that it wasn't active, it wasn't uh, haunted. And so first off, I don't, I don't think you can make that assessment just on one one night in a location. And these guys were saying, would you, would you come and investigate it? Because we see stuff all the time. We hear stuff all the time. And therefore, you know, they basically stay in the jailer's house and don't like to go up into the museum part because of the things they had experienced. So the first night, and it's a very small jail, first night that I went there. It was, it was quieter, and we were getting a lot of subtle activity from there. And so um, that's when, you know, after it was over, it was kind of one of those things where it's like, okay, I've got to go back and review my evidence because obviously you never know what's going on when you're either not in the room or that you don't hear uh, in the moment. But it was just enough interesting activity that it's like, there's something here, there's something that stays in the back that anytime I'm over in this area, they're over in the back and they'll make noise. Well, when I go over there, they shift. Mm-hmm. They clearly don't want to be around me. And so that's when I started thinking about the fact that, well, these guys, they tend to not want to go around that behavior. Mm-hmm. You know it maybe the spirits that are in there are thinking, "Well, if I do this and if I interact, then the person won't come back." Mm-hmm. And so that's when I asked to come back the next week and go in, spend some time. And that's when I wanted to go in and create sort of a familiarity of myself as well as of just, you know, again, a comfort a comforting if jail can be comforting, yeah. but a comfortable evening in the location creating a comfortable environment. So I thought if nothing else, I want to show back up and continue asking questions, introduce myself, and then also sit there and do different things like play card games, have certain things going that an inmate at that time might have just on a regular evening happening. And it seemed to really pay off and you can see the progression in the episode of how things changed from the the first night there to the second night. Yeah.
0: And the, you go into a lot of jails and men, I mean, there were jails that had women and men, but Mm -hmm. majority were men. And with you and Christy going in, doing the investigations together, did that make a difference having two females in the jail asking the questions and that? Because you would think that the men would be more either standoffish or just the opposite because your females going in there, they want to talk to you more. Did you, what was your thoughts on that?
2: Um, Yeah. So it did play, it did play a part in, in several of the locations we visited. Um, I'm pretty sure there was only one of these jails that was just men only. Um, The rest of them did have men and women in, in various parts of the jail. Um, But you could, at least based on the period, like, for instance, Old Stone Jail, um, that one, it it did have primarily men early on, especially right after the Civil War, because that was probably the oldest jail that I had investigated. And so the different responses, um, I guess, within the different periods, you could tell that there was a difference. And I feel like at some point that may have been why at times we wouldn't get a response okay. uh, or we would get a very, very different response because we were females. Um, I know that um, Gilcrest County jail, that was one that was mixed as far as uh, mixed gender, our jail historic Scott County jail had mixed. And then also Itala um, County did as well. They were just segregated in different parts. Mm-hmm. Do you get a, um,
1: have you been getting a lot of response in scott county jail from the female
2: inmates we do um there is a section well there's a section on each floor that housed female inmates um downstairs was more of a community female cell that that housed around uh eight to ten inmates on the second floor uh there was uh, also a, a community trustee cell that housed women at one point in time and then also on the third floor, which is maximum security, that is one that that was the primary female holding area, and um, that area in the very very beginning was the most active area. Um, we did find out later on that, and it and it seemed to make sense with some of the responses that we were getting. But we did find out later on that that cell also did hold some of the sex offenders mm-hmm. that were segregated. Um, but that area. It, it They were very responsive to myself mm-hmm. and to Christy, but they were also very, they're very responsive when we have larger groups come in and, you know, if they're cutting up with them, mm-hmm. uh, if the men flirt with them and if the women kind of joke around with them, we seem to get a lot of responses from the female inmates in that area. There's also a female who is down in the drunk tank. And she is responsive from time to time. Uh, She did commit suicide in the drunk tank or she attempted to commit suicide in the drunk tank, but actually ended up um, dying on the way to the hospital. Mm. So um, we do catch her sobbing or catch her um, doing certain responses in the drunk tank as well.
0: You kind of makes you wonder why the spirits would still be there. Like when you were telling that story, I was going to ask you well, why do you think her spirit is still there, but you know, by committing suicide in that room or in that cell, maybe her energy is stuck there. I, I hate using the word stuck, but you know what I mean? It Because of the stone tape theory is huge in jails. Mm-hmm. And maybe her energy is just released from her body at that point. Mm-hmm. And that's why she's there. But I always wondered about that. It's like, you know, you you'd think that the spirits would be at the places that make them the most happy, mm-hmm. but maybe they're just used to that. And that became their life. Um, I know you mentioned earlier about that one inmate that was at several different jails.
1: Mm-hmm.
0: Maybe it's just their life that they know.
2: Yeah. You know, for me personally, I believe a lot of it does have to do with the release of energy. Um, you know, and, and it makes sense to me why they could be in multiple places mm-hmm. of, you know, energy depositing and stuff, because, it, interestingly enough, each of these buildings, except for the old Atala County Jail, each one of these buildings were old stone fortresses. And so, like you said, the stone tape theory, you know, the, you know, Faraday cage, you know, all of this, yeah. the, the absorption, you know, especially with our jail, our jail is made out of all sandstone. And then the one in Jamestown was made of sandstone as well. So there was a lot of quartz in there. Um, And then uh, the one down in uh, Gilcrest, it was also um, a very solid uh, concrete building. And so for me personally, I believe that, uh, you know, well, and we also, let me just jump back. We also have to look because like at the historic Scott County jail, we not only have inmates, but we also have several sheriffs or jailers in there. And so um, with, the sheriff who who was killed at the front door, I mean, he loved that jail. Mm-hmm. And he, was, uh, he took a very strong stance on abolishing moonshine in the area. And so for me, I can understand why he would still be there because he's essentially helping us out, kind of keep law and order in the area. And then also the way he was suddenly killed at the door. Mm-hmm. Um, we have another inmate there. Who he was our longest serving inmate at the time. Um, you know the typical sentence in a jail they are more short term sentence anywhere from like 90 days to 24 months, uh, and then they're sent on to a prison after that if they have if they committed a state uh, a state or federal crime. But um, we did have one that was in there. He had killed his wife. He was in there for seven years, and he didn't die in there. He died afterwards, but. He was given trustee responsibilities and worked on the cars, the the ambulances, and if he needed a part, they would let him take one of the cars to go get it. Mm-hmm. And so I can see where we get, even though he didn't die there, I can see where he was there so much, and he had these responsibilities as well as this trust put on him. I can see where that energy could still linger. Uh, from him. Mm -hmm. We also have another sheriff there um, who he ended up getting uh, involved in the uh, Mexican drug cartel, and he was allowing uh, cocaine planes to land in the county and giving them passage through the county. This sheriff, he served as a deputy there. He also served at least 10 years as a sheriff there. He died in federal prison after only serving five years, but we have had people who have gotten responses from him. And again, I believe if you go and you look at all the different articles that we have up on the wall, you'll see him there. He was a very beloved sheriff. And even though he got involved with that, there are people today that say that they would have still elected him if he was alive. So because he was so well loved and again because he had again he was happy there at the jail i can see where you know that his energy would be now some of the other inmates um you know we do have seven inmates in total that we know of that was lynched from the jail um they were in there for various crimes different groups of masked uh, mobs busted in and really pretty much incited um, mob or backwoods mountain justice by taking them out and either lynching or murdering the inmates on various places on the property. Now, those inmates, there are several. We still have, uh, we still have activity uh, that we can kind of correlate with them or with the nights of, uh, you know, when the mob broke in. Mm-hmm. Personally, for myself, I believe that because it was such a traumatic experience, I, I don't believe for myself, I don't believe that spirits are stuck. Mm-hmm. Um, I do believe that it's a sort of energy deposit um, because some of the beatings and stuff that took place, their blood would have been splattered on the walls, mm-hmm. or it would have been such a traumatic and just high energy activity that some of that energy could could have been deposited to uh, cause cause us to get that type of activity there.
0: Yeah I believe that there like when spirit becomes spirit or that I believe that there is different almost elements that attack attract or attach to walls and stuff and and that's why mm-hmm. you can have the same spirit in several locations because it it's the fragmentation of their energy. Not that's one of the things I believe. And you said it perfectly how it's not the ghost itself there. It's just a fragment of their energy at that time. So you would see them as Uh, that at that time.
2: And that's, I mean, that's for me personally, how I feel only because, you know, to, to look at, You know, somebody who, say, for instance, one of these inmates that was, you know, Jerome Boyett, he was dragged out of this jail and brutally murdered. He was only in there for like eight days. Mm -hmm. And, you know, we see that in situations all around. You know, if somebody is like, say, for instance, a random hotel that there's somebody who's murdered in the room Mm -hmm. of a hotel, to me, it's just a heartbreaking inside existence to think that that person's soul or spirit is completely trapped in this room. And it's defined by this one activity of all these years of their life that they were alive and they're they're damned and defined to stay in a spot yeah. forever, uh, you know, because of the way that they essentially exited this world. Yeah, yeah. Um, I do believe, you know, and, and then you hear, I, and we actually, Christy and I joke and laugh about it because you can't go to a place that doesn't say that, that Al Capone's spirit isn't there. Yeah. Right? You know, it's <laughs> like, it's like how the hell is this dude's spirit in, you know, all these places? Mm-hmm. Well, to me, that that theory makes sense that I, I believe there's a difference in, this, in spirit and soul. And so... um you know I, I am a Christian, so I do believe that the soul has gone to wherever it's going to go. I also do believe that sometimes when we are communicating with with intelligent spirit that um, maybe you know heaven or hell is a little bit closer than we we think it can be, and the veil is thinner and we're we have the ability to communicate there. but I think a lot of the time it is those energy deposits that we are dealing with and just doing these jails has really seemed to enforce that for me personally, because you said it best, Joe, when you said, you know, talking about where a spirit is happiest, mm-hmm. um, you know, it. some people will see the jail as a happy place or a sanctuary or where they live. But others, when you look at some of the activity that's happened there, it's kind of, you know, you really have to, wonder why something would stay or someone would stay in a place like that
0: i mean you think about as if we go into a room and we want to talk to spirit and we go into this room and like a jail cell Mm -hmm. over the 100 years that building's been open there's probably been six seven hundred people in that room so Mm -hmm. i look at it as if you go in there and you're tuning a radio and as mm-hmm. you're going through the frequencies, you may pick up a certain station. And by tuning into that radio station, you're tuning into that spirit. You know what I mean? It's sort of mm-hmm. like there may be tons of spirits in there, but you're only tuning to that frequency and picking up that spirit. The spirit's not in that room. The DJ's not playing on your radio in your car, but by you mm-hmm. having the ability to draw that energy into that radio... that's how i feel we're talking to these spirits we're not talking to aunt nessie as a giant ghost we're talking to a Mm -hmm. fragment of her energy and Mm -hmm. i think it's the same way with the jails and maybe it's because you know we look at life the way we are we're not used to being in jail but there are people that are been in jail so many times that's normal to them or they get used to that Mm -hmm. and maybe that's Mm -hmm. what we're talking to i don't know
2: No, that's that's a really good point. I mean, because there are spirits there that we have, I I hate to use the words, developed a relationship Mm -hmm. with, but um, essentially, you know, Christy and I are in there up to 16 hours a day, sometimes multiple days in a row. And um, you do kind of learn these spirits to where it's like based on the way the rods react based on the way the voices sounds, based on the type of response, you do start to realize that you sometimes are talking to the same spirit um, that, you know, or making communication with that, you know, with a, a certain spirit over and over again. Um, and then sometimes it's completely different and you wonder, you know, who who am I speaking with tonight? Mm-hmm. Um, but that's that's been the thing that, or one of the things I've really enjoyed with all of these um, these uh, five jails that, that I ended up highlighting on there was that these are locations that they had so many people pass through their doors. And they had so many stories. I mean, each sentence or each time that they were in there had a specific story behind why they were in there. Even if they were in there multiple times for, you know, maybe once for drugs, once for drinking once for moonshine whatever um each of those times has a different story Mm -hmm. in each person as well so just the variety of activity that you can get there um and then the certain spirits who had specific stories um like the old Gilcrest County Jail you know one of the things that we did in there you know this location um It was open from, I believe it was 1928 to 1968. And like a lot of the old jails, um, they had a jailer's quarters built onto onto the jail there. And so after the jail had closed down back in uh, the early 2000s, I mean, this place had completely grown up. And it completely had just, I mean, it was very dilapidated and it was the back and in behind a very distressed area of the county. And so um, there was a drug deal that was going down right outside of there. And a guy by the name that had the nickname Black, uh, he ended up getting killed in that drug deal. And so to dump the body, they actually took the body there to the old jail threw it into the old jailer's house part and then left. Well, when they came back to move the body the next day, the guy was still alive. Uh So they went in, they ended up shooting him, Uh and then uh, leaving at that point. So you have the activity in the jail that happened during the time that the jail was in operation, your normal inmates and that sort of thing. But then you have this violent crime that took place. And so... um, christy and i were inside of you know this was a the collaboration investigation and so we were inside and we were shooting the uh, sls camera around and it's probably one of the top two most fascinating sls camera experiences that i've ever had um as i'm standing there holding the camera stationary in the spot where black's body was found you see this this tall figure emerge and as he emerges there's another figure that comes off to the side so they're standing there like this and all of a sudden you see one of them he literally pulls what looks like he's pulling something from his leg he keeps doing that and then pulls it forward the other figure that was standing there lurches back and then the one with the the gun he leans forward like he's shooting and we actually say that it's like is he cocking a gun did he just shoot him and Mm -hmm. then he disappears after he's shot so i'd like to do more research to to find out where was black shot was he shot in the shoulder the chest Mm -hmm. what have you but it looked like they were react or interacting with what had happened now was that a residual taking place on there or was it something intelligent that was showing me it's kind of hard to tell the difference between the two but to be able to capture that on the sls you know it wasn't just like a random sls figure kind of dancing a jig in the corner like you see sometimes Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. it really seemed like they were either reacting to what had happened acting it out or just uh, showing a residual um, uh, replay of what had happened.
1: It almost seems like he wanted, maybe the person that passed away wanted you to see what happened. Like maybe he's trying to tell you, this happened to me. Yeah. You know, like. Mm -hmm. Like the
0: Greenbrier ghost.
1: Yeah.
2: Yeah. 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 You
0: know, the ghost was showing you saying, look, this is what happened to me. And, And the only way you could see it was through the SLS, but probably. In his mind or in, you know, he was acting Mm -hmm. it out because he said Mm -hmm. he was like, look, there's people here looking, you know, we don't know what Mm -hmm. they, I mean, seeing when, when you held up the paintbrush and they could actually see what that is, that proves to me that they can see what, that there's people in the room. So, Mm -hmm. wow, that's, that is a great story because I, anytime you think about the SLS, it's like you say, it's always just the figures dancing or moving or maybe they sometimes interact with you. Um, Mm -hmm. but to have that come up and actually show what happened is residual Mm -hmm. and, um, intelligent.
2: intelligent. Yeah. Yeah. It's, you know, it's, it's kind of hard on that one to define. Was that just a residual playing out? Because it was clearly intelligent enough to show and respond to what we were doing. Um, you know, one of my favorite things to do when I go to these locations is to try to determine can you see me? Can you hear me? Mm-hmm. And I'll often take a whiteboard and instead of say, you know, instead of knocking, now I will knock sometimes, but instead of knocking, I'll write the word knock on the board or I'll write a number mm-hmm. and I'll have a spirit box or an ovilus and I'll say, can you tell me what this says? And there have been a couple instances where they have responded that way. Um, but that was what I was most impressed with in the first episode of season five there at uh, the F- old Fentress County Jail was because it seemed like throughout the entire time when something would happen, I would get a response. Um, there were a couple disembodied voices. Um, there were, were a couple that, um, you know, I mean, they were clearly responding to every single thing. I mean, when I said, uh, do you want to play a game? the, um, the Ovilus says, guess. And so what we did with the cards was a guessing game, you know, and, um, and then having, you know, so they were, they were very intelligent, very responsive. And then to, because I always try, I know there are a lot of people out there that try to debunk tools. I know there are a lot Mm -hmm. of tools that are controversial and there are a lot of tools that give false positives mm-hmm. it happens all the time but some different ways to combat that if you if you are using the dousing rods you know try them blindfolded with noise canceling headphones on if you are um doing um you know the spirit box or the obelisk or even if you're using For me, I don't usually use apps, but if you're using an app, try it in a way where you're not saying, you know, what color is this rose in my hand, Mm -hmm. Right. you know, ask your questions and stuff according to, to try to kind of rule out that a microphone isn't listening or a GPS isn't tracking or, or what have you. And when I was getting those responses with the paintbrush, I literally, and even the cards I have no explanation as to how that yeah. could be other than something seeing what was going on.
1: Did you use the Estes method at all of these locations? Because I, I was watching your live the other night
2: from the jail and you're doing the Estes method, which I love. Yeah, I, I love I think it's too. amazing. <laughs> I do too. <laughs> I do too. Um, I did. I'd use the Estes method at several of the locations. And um, we did use it there in trying to think i believe we used it in every one except for the one at the historic scott Mm -hmm. county jail now we did do a live last sunday and some pretty interesting responses from that Um, christy recorded her portion and i recorded mine and we're going to splice them together but um yeah i think every single location the only one i don't think i really got anything on estes was the old stone jail Mm. And um, so we did not show the Estes Method on that episode, but all of the others, um, I think uh, the, the old Italigel in Kosciuszko, Mississippi, we had an interesting session and you could actually hear several disembodied voices uh-huh. speak before it came out on the spirit box. And then also a couple of the names that I got uh, while I was doing the Estes method, I think one was the name Dawn. Mm-hmm. And when I went to the women's cell area, turned the spirit box on again, we got the name Dawn right there. Mm-hmm. Um, there were several th- words that we got after the fact that we actually got during the spirit box session. Mm-hmm. You know, Joe and I, we're it's trying to use session. that a lot more. Because yeah. I think
1: it's a, it's just a yeah. really good way to... Um...
0: It really separates the... Yeah. the... Investigators, to where, obviously, the one investigator has no clue what the other investigator right. is doing, so it mm-hmm. kind of eliminates the fact that they can play on each other.
2: Right. Yeah. Yeah. For- yeah. You know. And Absolutely. And and we try to separate any I do an ESTA session. Um, I've I've seen ESTA sessions where people are in the same room, mm-hmm. and every time I do them, we're always in different sections of the building. Um, and we always have a camera on myself and then whoever is doing the Estes method with me, because it's it's not just about the responses that come across the spirit box. I mean, so many crazy cool things can happen when you're in that sensory deprived mm-hmm. state and having the camera on you just, you know, it it really helps to validate, you know, what's going on that you don't always know yeah. when you're blindfolded and stuff and, and you're vulnerable too because
1: some of your senses yeah. are being um you know not Picking used away, yeah. or or you know suppressed i guess is a word mm-hmm. to say mm-hmm. so you know maybe spirits know that being in you know a jail situation you're a little bit vulnerable and they might want to take advantage of that
2: absolutely you know um you you had mentioned earlier about the stone tape theory and everything i think that inside these jail cells and again sometimes it's really challenging to tell what is residual and what is intelligent but one of the things that i did find from all of these jails that i investigated the um, residual activity was off the chain mm-hmm. at each one of these mm-hmm. and i do believe that it does come from just being all that iron and just the way everything is is closed in and essentially housed in in each of these cells mm-hmm. um just it was just off the chain at, at each of these locations
0: you know when you think about too is you're talking about jails that are small these yeah. bill i was like i went into the old licking county jail mm-hmm. Yeah. Mm-hmm. and you don't realize I mean, we you'd say a jail and you think this huge building without no these were small little buildings and (laughs) Mm -hmm. they packed a lot of people in there now like ohio state reformatory and places like that are huge Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. but these were small town jails where the same people kept getting put back in (laughs) and repeat mm -hmm. offenders yeah and i i love the story of the one from scott county jail where he just came in, went as he pleased, but yet he was a murderer, he murdered his wife, mm-hmm. but yet mm-hmm. he needed a part for a car He go over, grab the keys and just go down to the store. And, you know, it's not like that in the big jails. These small town jails were like that where they the energy is more homegrown or hometown energy. Mm-hmm.
2: It is. It is. And uh, and I think that really played a lot because because I've done a lot of these big prisons. And we find, you know, when people come in to uh, to our jail, th- they find they don't necessarily know the difference between a prison and a and a mm-hmm. county jail. And so if you're not immersed in that, you, you may not realize what the difference is. Um, but each of these jails, you know, they they were all located in the county seat you know we covered jails we covered um let's see uh ye old jail that's the one that was in uh jamestown uh in here in tennessee then of course the historic scott county jail in tennessee old stone jail in, in kentucky um the uh, old Atala jail in mississippi and then the old Gilcrest county jail in florida and so all of these county jails they're always located there in the county seat and they were all constructed as a way for that county to show its dominance of that that they meant law and order. Mm-hmm. So they all had such a significant purpose within the community. And so, like like Joe just said, you know, the uh, the fact that they would be sort of a hometown, uh, you know, you would have these people coming and going, a lot of repeat offenders. Um, We did have, again, we did have violent offenders. Most of those would usually be sentenced on to either Brushy Mountain State Prison, uh, Morgan County Correctional Facility, Nashville State uh, Penitentiary. They would be sent off to the larger locations. But um, we also, you know, there were several people that were housed in the drunk tanks at one time the drunk tanks would be used as a uh, a solitary confinement and some of our most violent most heinous uh criminals that had say they weren't going to be housed there was one in particular who had killed his wife and um his he he had that was the only time other than when president reagan came to uh scott county to stay at senator baker's house that was the one time that we actually had snipers on top of the jail. Mm -hmm. And that was because he had uh, killed his wife. His wife's family was going to get him. Mm -hmm. And he was so high on cocaine that basically when they put him there in, in the drunk tank area, you know, he had been running from the law. So he had been shot. So he smeared his blood all on the walls. So there's that DNA and energy Mm -hmm. and stuff on the Mm -hmm. walls, but he was kept in there just long enough for another county to come and get him and take him essentially for safe for his safekeeping Mm -hmm. so that uh he you know nobody got him uh or or took him out or anything of that nature so um so yeah so you've got some of the the very heinous criminals but it's just its own dynamic plus uh, as I'd mentioned earlier, all of these little jails, you know, there was a law that basically the jailer had to live so close to the jail. So the way to fix that, it was like within like a, so many feet of the jail is where the jailer had to live. Mm-hmm. And so it became very common practice for uh, either the jailer to live in the jail. In our case, he lived on the bottom floor with his family and then in other cases like the old stone jail or the um, old Gilcrest county jail they had a house that was attached to the jail mm-hmm. and so you've got that dynamic of a family yeah. you know most yeah. of the time the jailer and his his wife would be the cook his family grew up in the jail the family's friends Uh, came and visited you know the kids at the jail that sort of thing so you've got this whole other dynamic that's going on that you know you don't always factor into until you come in and start investigating you start getting a whole different other type of responses and activity just because of the family that lived with inside the jail
0: yeah that blew my mind when I went to the, the when I went to the ohio state penitentiary i know that's a different scenario but mm-hmm. it blew my mind that the they had two wardens you know they had mm-hmm. the the main warden and then the backup warden and their families lived there with their kids and all i'm like you know when mm-hmm. you say hey kids go play out in the yard you know you're like <laughs> which yard you know but right. that just blew my mind to think that these jails would have families and just raising their kids like oh yeah we live at the jail you know yeah
2: yeah, in in the historic Scott County Jail, you have people who uh, two two sheriffs in particular, Sheriff Esau Laxton and Sheriff Jack Laxton. Esau Laxton had um, a, I believe he had seven kids, and Jack Laxton had twelve, uh-huh. and all of these kids grew up there inside the jail. We've had several of the people come back. We're we're still trying to get access to what it looked like when they mm-hmm. lived there. But certain ones that said, yeah, we played on the dumbwaiter system. We learned to color Easter eggs in the kitchen. Oh, wow. We would play basketball out on the basketball goal, and the inmates would throw down money and stuff for <laughs> us to go pick up cigarettes and moon pies for them. You <laughs> know, so it's it's a really interesting dynamic, and, yeah. you know, Cigarettes and moon pies, is a, that's a big trigger item yeah. in our jail because yeah. of what, you know, people used to do. So it, it is mind blowing when you do see that and hear some of those stories, mm-hmm. because some of these guys were very, very bad guys. Yeah. Or, and women, too. Yeah. And to know that people just kind of grew up there with them, you know, it, it's um it's really kind of mind-blowing yeah, yeah especially for you know maybe the
1: wife or the children you know like what kind of effect did that have on them and you know like i would be in a constant state of fear not all the time but you would always have that in your back of your mind is like as a woman or as you know a mother having your children 12 children first of all let's talk mm-hmm. about that right <laughs> I can't imagine, Um, but, you know, to always have to think of the safety of them. So that's, you know, a very emotional thing is always having Mm -hmm. that in the back of your mind that, you know, you have to protect your children or protect yourself Mm -hmm. from possibly dangerous criminals who, you know, a mob comes and lynches them out or, you know, somebody tries to escape.
2: Mm-hmm. Or just messes
0: well, with the kids, sure. you know. Without just yeah. as in being bad, right? You know.
2: Yeah. Mm-hmm. yeah, and I mean, I've I've heard some some really wild stories, you know, from Brushy Mountain too, from the wardens who were there, and some of the stories of their families, you know, that lived. Now they didn't live in the jail on that one, mm-hmm. or at least not for. There was a, a separate house. But um, it is interesting. And some of the stories that the people will tell when they come in, they'll say, well, you know, when I lived there, um, there were certain inmates I could interact with. Mm -hmm. Others, we were never allowed to go up on the third floor or never allowed to go in certain areas. Or I remember the time my brother snuck in there and, you know, went up on this level and got in trouble. You know, we hear a lot of those different stories about that. Um, But one, you know, one of our our really cool, uh, probably in my mind, one of uh, my favorite pieces of evidence that came out of the jail there, um, you know, I would mentioned earlier, of course, this is from the historic Scott County Jail. I'd mentioned earlier that we had uh, seven different inmates who had been uh, lynched via mountain mob justice from there. And so, back in uh, nineteen thirty three, when Jerome Boyett and Harvey Winchester were lynched from there, um, on that particular night, uh, Sheriff Esau Laxton, he was out. Uh, he was out on a, a run that night um, or out out on an investigation that night. And so uh, his wife was there, and then the his cousin, uh, Ethan Laxton was there that night and so um there was a knock on the door and it was a group they they um uh, faked an an illness or faked bringing an inmate in so Mm -hmm. they had someone to bring in and so when ethan went to bring in the inmate um they ended up rushing him and they beat him they beat him very very bad you Mm -hmm. know so right there in the foyer you know now he did live but there was blood and and all kinds of uh, matter and stuff mm-hmm. there on side the inside the walls there at the foyer area they rushed on in up to the third floor took Jerome Boyett and Harvey Winchester about uh, a mile and a half from the property and just brutally brutally lynched them mm-hmm. now they were in there for unrelated crimes but they are two of our most infamous inmates that have been lynched from the jail there so um we have a book that's written about the jail. Um, it's called uh, Quest for Rome. Mm-hmm. And uh, Jerome Boyd, he did go by the nickname of Rome. But this book is about the night. It's it's the events that leads up to that. Mm-hmm. And it's also about the night where these guys were lynched. And so we had gotten an early release copy of that book. And so Christy and I were just kind of looking at it. The book hadn't come out yet. And we just happened to see that, the main character that tells the story from the book that his name is Anvil Clemens. And so we were kind of talking about it, put the book away. And when the paranormal team that night came in, um, we gave them the tour and we always tell them, we're like, you know, if you get anything and you have any questions about it, come ask us, we might be able to help look up uh, some of the history. Mm -hmm. And so when that team was leaving, one of the guys said, you know, here's some of the responses we got and when we were there in the front of the building we got the name or got the word anvil three different times and so i thought well that's kind of interesting showed him the book and i said i'm gonna reach out to the author and so the author came back and he said that the name anvil clemens is actually a copyright character and that um, Anvil Clemens is, it's a name that's made up to protect the actual jailer that was on duty that night, which was Ethan Laxton. But he had gotten the net nickname of Anvil because when they beat him so bad, they said it looked like he had been beat like an anvil. Oh, oh my gosh. And so he got the nickname. So, um, so the author was really just kind of, you know, he was kind of dumbstruck by the whole thing because he wasn't a big believer in the paranormal. But, um, you know, we were completely shocked because the book hadn't come out. So it wasn't like something they could research. And this was, um, the great grandfather of the author. Mm -hmm. So it's not like it's a common thing that people would have known who he was talking about. Mm -hmm. And so, um, so we were really quite blown away that the spirit that was there in the location was really releasing um, little bits of, of information that we were able to go and, and back up. And so to me, it's one of my favorite pieces of evidence that's okay. come out of there because we've been able to validate it through history. Yeah.
1: Yeah. It's amazing.
0: So Miranda, we want to thank you yes. so much for thank coming you, thank on. You, thank you. And before As we always. let you go, we want to find out for one where everybody can see the season five Two, we want to find out a little bit more about the jail hours of operation how to get a hold of you all that kind of jazz you know how it goes Mm -hmm. we want to find out everything we can before we let you go
2: absolutely so again thank you for having me on tonight um so you can watch season five and all of the past uh all of the past seasons on the ghost biker explorations facebook page Or YouTube channel that's also under the name Ghostbiker Explorations, or on the website www.ghostbikerexplorations.com. You can watch all the seasons. You can watch my weekly live stream that airs every Thursday night at 9 p.m. Eastern time, and also uh, you know check out Ghostbiker merch and all of that sort of thing on the website, www.ghostbikerexplorations.com. Also, you can check out the historic Scott County Jail that I co-own with my business partner, Dr. Christy Sumner from Soul Sisters Paranormal. You can find more information out about that at www.historicscottcojail.com or under historic Scott County Jail Facebook page and YouTube channel. Our hours of operation are every day, but Tuesday and Wednesday, we are open from 11 a.m. to 4 p.m. Eastern Standard Time. And on Saturdays, 9 a.m. to 4 p.m. And you can, uh, during those times, you can tour our true crime museum that's full of, hit of uh, Scott County true crime history. And then after hours, we offer after dark tours as well as paranormal investigations. And all of those uh, times for the after dark stuff, as well as booking your investigation can be found there on our website.
0: At the scott, scott count or scott coj.com
2: okay. I'll
0: put a link in the show notes too if you yeah. can't you know remember all this but yeah, you know thank you. you so much yes, for coming we on talk, I, I I love talking, talking to you and it's just we don't have enough time in between the times we talk
1: I to. cannot wait <sighs> to get down there and investigate yes
0: we, yes we, so much we fun. actually set it up so Ooh, that we're coming down spooky, spooky, April 1st
2: yes Yes. Yes. I can't wait for you guys to come down and yeah, see what great. you capture and, and get your take on the jail. Yeah. We're really, really looking forward yeah. to it.
0: All right. Well, thank you so much. Yep. And we you. will talk to you later. All right. And thank you, Bye. listener, for tuning in this week. Like we always say, please share the show with your friends. If you get any enjoyment out of the show, share it with all your friends. Go down the street, yell at people that you don't even <laughs> know and tell them to, to tune in
1: <laughs>
0: anywhere you get your podcast from just type in 222 paranormal podcast you will find us everywhere and get up on our website we do have books for sale we have t-shirts all that stuff Mm -hmm. keeps the show on the air that's the main thing and everybody's support all right thank you and we'll talk to you next week